right, everyone, welcome on into another episode of the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. If this is your first time, welcome. If this is not your first time, welcome back. Thank you for listening. If you have the time right now, please leave a rating and a review for the episode. It's a great way for other leaders to find the podcast. Jamie and I, my co-host, we do as good a job as we can trying to spread the word, but one of the best ways for other people outside of our networks to find this show is if you leave a rating and review. So if you have the time, hit pause, pull over, do whatever you have to do to be safe and leave a quick review it really helps out the show. And we'd really appreciate that. But I do have my co-host Jamie Hoffman here with me and Jamie today, we're going to start with one big win each. I'll start with my one big win. We took a week off to celebrate the holiday and get some time with family and friends. And I am going to say that my big win is that I actually got to do a lot of that. <laughs> uh, it's it's not uh, too often, um, you know, especially during the pandemic that we got a lot of free time, my wife and I, and uh, this was a really great Labor Day weekend. And even into this week, I'm still at the beach as we're recording this, getting a lot of relaxing time. I'm, I'm working, but, you know, being able to get some additional beach time after the weekend and um, just was so great on Labor Day weekend, having family here, you know, just laughing, having a good time. Uh, we watched Penn State football win their first game of the season. So that was a lot of fun too. And uh, definitely a big win to get down here to the beach, just relax as much as possible. My daughter's getting a lot of time with her grandma, Nook, as we call her. And um, definitely a big win for me. How about you? What's going on with you, Jamie? I also had a nice relaxing weekend. So I understand that it's a huge, huge win. I feel the most rested I felt in a long time and I hope you feel the same. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as my big win for the week, one of the things I'm most excited about is I officially onboarded someone to take over some of my marketing and social media, which is a huge step for me because that is something I really actually enjoy doing. And so I was really hesitant to give someone else, um, you know, the ability to help me out there. I was like very stubborn about letting go of the control, but I just don't have the time and people aren't paying me to post on Instagram. They're paying me to work with their dogs. So um, if I needed to free up some time, that was a good way to do it. And I actually, just onboarded my cousin who is doing a lot of marketing and the real estate space, but she's really excited about my company and she has been amazing. So I'm super pumped about that. Um, and it feels like such a big win because it was like so tough for me and hopefully now I'll still pop in and do some social media. I'll still be in the DMS and I'll still kind of create content when I can, but, um, it is freeing up a lot of time for me. Big win for sure. And that is, <laughs> for those who don't know, the original reason, uh, I guess the original spot that Jamie and I connected on was because of social media marketing help. And Jamie kind of helped me with that with the Leadership Academy way back when. Um, so it's hilarious. She, as she knows, yeah. I am the complete opposite. I was like totally ready to give it up. And it's like, I, I hate it. I don't want anything to do with it. Whereas you know, Jamie is obviously really good at it, um, as you've seen from the Leadership Academy. And if you haven't already followed her, uh, for her own business, but, um, uh, that's su super cool. And uh, really cool that you get to keep it in the family too. Yes. Very, very excited. I knew that was going to be funny bringing it up. I was like, yep, I'm completely going away from that, but I'm <laughs> yeah. yeah, very cool. Well, uh, we're going to get into our episode here. The featured guests for today's episode is with Meredith Albertson, who is the chief marketing chief marketing officer, sorry, Meredith, of Stratified, a startup, a SaaS startup in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. And uh, before we get to Meredith's episode, Jamie and I wanted to talk about leaders who inspire us. And this came about because I actually got an opportunity to work with Meredith. I was contracting at Stratified. Meredith was not my direct boss, but I did have many interactions with her. I hired a bunch of people for her marketing team. And as I was telling Jamie offline here, one of the best things that came out of that was just remembering how much people can indirectly inspire you. So like, even if they're not you know, your hands-on boss or the person that you directly report to, how much of an impact they can have. And maybe, you know, think about other people who have either directly or indirectly inspired me, you know, from a leadership standpoint. And I think the obvious ones that stand out are my parents, um, 
you know, didn't know it as much growing up, but definitely as I get older and, you know, now that I'm a parent and can kind of see the, uh, the parallels between, you know, things that they did and the decisions that I'm having to make, uh, with my daughter, you know, those, those are the two obvious ones that really stand out that have inspired me. That was obviously a really direct, uh, impact there. Uh, indirectly though, I had a lot of heroes growing up. Um, I really bought into a lot of like the legendary mystique, I guess, of, you know, people that came before social media, came before TV, like, you know, John Kennedy comes to mind as one of those people. And yeah, I know Kennedy got assassinated. There's video of it, but you know, it was largely before television really took off. Um, Abraham Lincoln is one of those people as well. Just, um, you know, someone who was a leader in like the darkest time of our country's history. And I know that like has nothing to do with my life, but like the way he conducted himself and the way that he treated people, that was always something that stood out to me that you should just, you know, treat people uh, really well. So there's just been so many people. Uh, I don't want to go on a tangent here because um, I'll let Jamie you know, talk about other people who have inspired her. But I think it's a really good realization just to know that there are people out there. And even if you don't get a chance to directly work with them, they could really inspire you to do better, to be a better person. Um, and I think that's something really special. I think Meredith has that. And uh, you all get to hear that in a second. But before we get to Meredith, Jamie, who are a few people that have inspired you in your life? Like you, I thought of some examples that were both indirect and direct. Um, I actually read an article, I think this past week about the founder of Bumble, and I had no idea about her history, but she was actually, um, she was the vice president of marketing at Tinder before she founded Bumble. And she actually had a sexual harassment case and um, left Tinder because of that and started Bumble. And I just was so inspired reading her story, just taking such a terrible situation and then building the second most popular dating app. I know my brother met his fiance on Bumble. I have so many friends who met their, <laughs> you know, lifelong partners on Bumble and we all have heard of things, right? And I love the platform. It's really designed to kind of prevent sexual harassment and harassment of any type because women have to reach out to the male first, which is something I think, you know, puts us in a really interesting, you know, uh, role, which we usually don't have is, you know, reaching out first. But I think that is a really smart way to do things. Um, and they actually went public and she became the youngest woman to take a company public. Uh, so that to me is so incredible. And I'm really, really inspired by her story. Obviously, I don't know her personally, but that is someone that I look up to now and have read a little bit more and I'm really excited to kind of watch where she takes everything and she mentors other female entrepreneurs. So she just seems like a very well-rounded uh, leader. And the other person that comes to mind, and I hate to put you on the spot here, um, but it's really you, Colin. I was thinking about it. <laughs> and, you know, this is kind of perfect segue because you'd mentioned, you know, how you and I connected, which was really over me helping you with some of the marketing for Talent 409. And I loved kind of your goal and mission with the company. And so I was really excited to be on board and help you out and be a part of it. And through that process, I had mentioned that I also wanted to start my own company. I was working on a company before I left New York and before COVID and now started something different with the puppy training. Um, but you have supported me every step of the way. I still got to help you out. And even when I said like, hey, I don't have as much time, it was never, you know, you never you know, punished me for that, or you were never upset. It was always, you encouraged exactly what I wanted to do and you've supported it. And that is something that I admire so much and want to take in to my company as the leader. And I've kind of had the opportunity to do that. My first contractor, she is starting a dog walking company. And I know she was really surprised when I was like, Oh, well, how can I support you? I want to see that succeed. This is, you know, we can work together. This can be a very symbiotic relationship. And I've learned so much from you over the past year and I really, really appreciate it. You have been a huge, huge inspiration and a huge, you know, supporter of everything that I've been doing. And that's why I'm so excited to co-host this podcast and get to speak with you more. And yeah, even when I was like, I'm starting my own thing, I don't have a lot of time. You're like, oh, well, do you want to do this with me? And knowing that I came from a background of acting and I've hosted for nonprofits and certain things like that. And it really means a lot. So Thank you so much for everything, but you have really been a very inspiring leader 
and I don't take that for granted. Well, I am mostly speechless. I will say that in no way did I force Jamie to just say what she just did. So this is yeah, no idea that was coming. <laughs> this is a surprise to me, and um, just thank you. I, I I do really appreciate it, and I'm sure I'll be able to formulate my words better when I have some time to, uh, I'll, I'll listen to this during the edit, but um, you know, it, it's, it's a two-way street. I mean, you're really great with your communication and it was always clear, you know, what you wanted to do. And, and it's just up to me, how, how can I help you get there? And, you know, I'm hopeful we've been able to stay connected for over a year now, and hopefully we'll be able to continue to do that in the future and be able to support each other. But um, it's just really cool to, you know, hear you, you know, also kind of take on that, um, you know, that, that type of leadership too. Cause um, you know, I, I, I know it's probably not the norm. <laughs> um, I'm not, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back or anything, but I, I just think it's really cool that now you've been able to with contractors that you've had just been able to extend that lending hand and uh, be able to help out and, you know, hopefully more people, um, we'll be able to do that and be inspired, you know, by you um, now taking that lead. So um, thank you again, Jamie. I appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, I don't, I don't think there's a better way to segue into this episode. So we are just going to call it that. Uh, thank you for tuning in to this first part of the show. Uh, stay tuned for the conversation with Meredith Albertson. We are back next week with another episode. So stay tuned for that. And Jamie and I will talk to you then. Okay, everyone, I am here today with Meredith Albertson, Chief Marketing Officer at Stratified, former Senior Manager, former Director, former VP. You've had a number of, at least from a title perspective, <laughs> leadership type roles, Meredith. And I want to hit you with the hard question to start our conversation today, because I, I think you're a phenomenal leader. And um, I, I would just love if you can tell us a little bit about how you got into a leadership position. And was that something that you always aspired to do? Yeah, well, thank you so much for your kind words to start off with. Um, I, you know, it's interesting. I think naturally I always tended to lean into leadership opportunities, uh, whether that was um, not, not that I've always been the best leader. I definitely have learned a tremendous amount throughout uh, growing up and just my career, but um, you know, whether it was captain of sports teams or, you know, even when I was lifeguarding, you know, that first job out of school, I kind of set that goal the next summer. I was, I'm going to be the manager of all the lifeguards next summer, um, you know, even to my role now. So it's, I think I've leaned into it. Um, it's, I've kind of thrived in that environment. Uh, interestingly enough though, I think that it's also naturally tied to a lot of promotions, this concept of leadership and management. And I've always been very, you know, career oriented, goal oriented and set those, you know, uh, milestones in my own career and I think, you know, one day I was promoted and put in this job and it's like, hey, you're going to manage these people. And I was excited. But at the same time, I was like, wow, you know, do I, do I really know what I'm doing here? <laughs> um, but as I got into it, I really started. It became much more than just the promotion. I really started to fall in love with that opportunity to not only impact the business, which is why you're kind of brought into these roles, but it became more about the opportunity to impact your, the, your people's lives, the, the people that are kind of relying on you for, for that leadership. Um, it was about coaching them. It was about helping them navigate tricky situations. It was helping them, you know, take the next step in the career, whether it was with, you know, the company you're currently with or beyond. And that just became a really powerful thing for me. It was a way to make more than just an impact to the business, but more of an impact to individuals' lives. And um, that was just, I don't know, I fell in love with it. And then, so for me, it became less about promotions and more about opportunities to, to coach and to lead and to really help people move forward in different areas of their own career paths. And so one of the interesting things that you mentioned is just being very career-oriented, uh, motivated, and, and wanting to do well. First, uh, can we start with 
you know, where that motivation comes from, like, why, why do you push so hard? Why do you want to accomplish so much? Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> you know, I think actually, uh, my mom and dad, you know, both of them always growing up, there was never anything that I couldn't accomplish. There was never a goal that they looked at me and said, you, you can't achieve that. You can't do that. Um, so being really having that supportive family. And then I think great role models and leadership along the way, uh, back to my, my cheerleading coaches, my dance team coach in college, um, even my third grade teacher, Mrs. Chancer, who is still my favorite teacher of all time that I've ever had. And if she's listening, I love you, Mrs. Chancer. Um, they just, it was never, there was never anything I couldn't accomplish. Uh, and they really helped me believe in myself and believe in that ability to, to do whatever that was. Yeah, that's really cool. And great, great shout out for that teacher too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> really impactful, obviously, to um, you know have have somebody um, that young in life and and really carry over. Now, again, having that type of personality that you do, especially in your work, do you think that's helped you in your leadership roles? Like, do you think having that type of personality, that type of work ethic, helps you? kind of like elevate everyone else's work ethic or, you know, do sometimes you feel like resistance from people to be like, whoa, 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 I don't, I don't want to work quite as hard as you do. Like, I, I don't, I don't have those aspirations to move up the ladder like you did. There's a great book that I read and I, I think it's a great book for a lot of people to read uh, called Radical Candor by Kim Scott. Uh, and she introduces this concept of rock stars and superstars Superstars are these people that need to be constantly challenged. They are looking to uh, for promotion. They want to have that path forward. They're typically more the people that are going to be your people managers. And then there are your rock stars, your people. They're solid as a rock. They don't necessarily aren't looking for that next big challenge, but they want to hone their craft and be the best that they possibly can be at their, you know, that individual area of, of contribution. Um, and I think that that is really important um, to not only identify people on your team that maybe are rock stars or superstars, but also make sure that you have career paths for both of them so that there is opportunities for, for success for both of those types of people. I also think that leads you into how you're planning your team, how you're setting up your team. No, if I had an entire team full of type A personalities like myself, Nobody would get anything done. It would be, you know, working craziness. And, and you, you need to, when you're building out your teams, there needs to be a sense of balance. You need those uh, individual contributors. You need those rock stars. You also need those superstars. Um, and I think that that's just incredibly important that when you're hiring and you're building out your teams that you are really thinking about those things. Because, uh, you know, sometimes I need people to pull me back a little bit too. You know, it's uh, not always... Uh, 100 miles an hour, 24 hours a day. Uh, my husband he, he balances me out very well and kind of, you know, is, is knows how to pull me back. Yeah, I think that balance part is a really big highlight that I'm glad you brought up. And I just have one more related question to this, and then I promise we'll move on. But I'm curious, and I don't know if you know the answer to this, but you talked about you know, creating roles that you know, maybe maybe aren't just um, in management or leadership type positions, but advancement opportunities for people who are killing it in their individual contributor type roles. How do you do that from like a, an organizational standpoint? Like, is it, you know, you just got to rely on people who are higher up like you um, to have that foresight to be able to do those things? Or can, you know, someone who's maybe at the associate level or someone at a lower level position, can they come to a person like you and say like, hey, here's a growth path that I'm thinking about. It's not traditional, but is this something that we can do? Or um, can we talk about this? Like, I, again, I don't know if there's actual an answer to this, but I'm really curious. Well, first and foremost, I do think it is a responsibility of leaders within a company or, or you know, people that are managing teams that we make it a priority. Um, a lot of companies I have, and I've, you know, been a part of this myself, but they naturally think the only way to promotion is management. 
And I have worked with some amazing individual contributors that have just been so great at what they do, but managing people was not in, in their wheelhouse. It wasn't even something they were really interested in, in being a part of, and that is completely okay. Um, the world doesn't need, you know, hundreds and millions of, of managers. We, we need people to be in all different parts. And, and so I think that it's really important that we as leaders and even companies recognize that the path to promotion does not always mean that you have to manage people. You're going to end up setting up a team that's going to be really frustrated. And then you, that person you just promoted is now going to feel like they're failing because they're, they're not, um, they're not set up for success. And that I think really falls back on us. So I think, again, you've got to really find those ways to build those career paths for, for both of those groups. The other element is as well as I think individuals can be their own best advocates. You know, you've got to be your own cheerleader. Um, you've got to be willing to articulate, you know, to uh, whether it's your boss or your boss's boss, or even just someone who you have tapped to help be your champion within an organization are these are the things that I am very interested in doing. You know, how do you, uh, how do you suggest, how can I move forward? How can I find things that are going to help amplify this and get me more experience? Um, I'll give you an example. I mean, I made uh, several years ago was managing a young woman who I think the absolute world of, and one of our first meetings together when I started managing her um, was like, all right, we're going to start planning out how we get you promoted, how we start getting you to the next step, how we start working to build you a team. And I was excited and I looked over at her and she didn't quite seem as excited as I did, but I was, oh, maybe she's nervous. Um, you know, walked away from the meeting. I was feeling like, great, I've helped her. And then she ended up coming up to me the next day and saying, you know, while I really appreciate that, um, it's not really what I want to do. I want to be really, really great at my skill set and what I'm going after and impacting the business, but managing people in that path that you laid out for me, that's not really what's going to make me happy. And I felt horrible in the moment, but was so thankful because it's a lesson that I've taken with me, you know, moving forward in my career that I need to be better about really listening uh, to what the, the team wants and what the team needs. But I also really, her bravery for telling her new boss that that wasn't really the path that she wanted to go. That's the kind of thing that I think people need to, uh, you know, to be able to have that their own voice and be able to articulate really, you know, what are the things they enjoy? Yeah, I love that. And I really appreciate again, sharing a very specific and detailed story, because I think that's probably something if we haven't experienced it or if you haven't experienced it, the listener, you know, maybe it's it's happening or um, you're going to experience it at some point. So uh, just being able to recognize, like you said, maybe listen a little bit more to the to the actual needs, I think is important. So then if we're talking to the individual contributors who do want to take that leap into leadership. I'm sure this is something that you've done before with people that you work with, maybe people that you mentor outside of work. Um, but if they're looking to make that step and they haven't gotten that experience, but it's something that they feel they need to get in order to you know, get that type of role or to get that recognition, like what would you say, like how would you help someone who's not in the people leadership position, wants to get there, but doesn't have the hands-on experience? Like, are there books, are there resources? Is there volunteer opportunities maybe? Oh gosh, there's hundreds and hundreds of books. I'm sure that <laughs> anybody can read on this, this topic that may be better than uh, the advice I have to give. But um, I, I think there's a number of things you can do. I think, you know, going back to your last question, I think that it's very important that people be comfortable and be brave to articulate to their boss uh, or, you know, again, someone in the company with really what they're looking for. So I think bringing that to their attention of, hey, this is something, this is a role that I want. It's, uh, you know, not today, not tomorrow, but it's something I'm really working towards. And I want to get those opportunities for, uh, for, for leadership and people management experience. Um, I think that you've got to be able to be comfortable in articulating that. But I think there's also um, maybe not the traditional ways to get experience that you may already be doing or you may not even be thinking about. So can you ask your supervisor to, um, to manage a project? 
take a leadership role on managing a project from, you know, brainstorming conception all the way through to the end and, and you know, reporting on those results. Uh, can you volunteer to maybe run a team meeting, uh, you know, every once in a while? Can you volunteer to maybe start managing some of the interns? A lot of companies have internship programs. Um, those interns want to get a lot of value, but sometimes it's so many things going on that they don't really have anyone they can go to talk to. So I think, you know, that's a great opportunity for somebody to step in and volunteer to manage interns. Um, I also think even outside of the office, um, and this is really regardless of your age, I think there's always mentorship opportunities. Um, if you've just graduated from school, you know, your year or two into your professional career, reach back out to your alma mater. Is there somebody that's looking for a mentor? Um, is there, you know, um, something you can do in that field? Um, but again, I think, you know, I just, those are some of the things that I would start to look at because I think those will all start to give you the skill set, but also the confidence that when those opportunities really do come up, that you've got things to point to and, um, and you'll really feel confident. Yeah. And I think you're pointing out that there are a lot of opportunities within work, you know, like you talked about that you can either create or ask to be a part of, whether it's lead a team meeting, mentor, interns, etc. But there's probably a lot outside of work. Like I think about, <laughs> there's this episode of Family Matters of, of all TV shows <laughs> of where <laughs> the wife, uh, she is out of work. I can't remember the exact reason why, why she's out of work, but she, or, or maybe it's at the place that she's working currently and she's looking to take a, a leadership promotion and she gets denied and she goes home and she's talking about it with the family and they're like, no, you're the best leader we know. Like you take care of all of us. Like you, you do. And so she like storms back into to the guy's office and you know says her piece. And it's a sitcom. Like it, you know, she she gets the job and, and it all ends all happy and, and everything. But yeah, I tend to think about that all the time. I'm like there's probably a lot of things in our day to day lives that we do that are very leadership centric that maybe we just don't even recognize or give ourselves the credit for. Um, to say, like, if we're in, in an interview setting and someone says, okay, well, tell me about some of your leadership experience. And you're like, oh, crap, well, I'm not a CEO. I'm not a CMO. Like, what can I say? You know, maybe think about some of those things. I, I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that, but that might be something I'm, I'm thinking of, too. Oh, a hundred percent. I think that we all fall into this uh, habit of thinking that there's a very, you know, black and white description of what exactly um qualifies as leadership experience. But if you've volunteered at your local SPCA and you have managed volunteers or you have um, developed a project or a schedule or you've led a committee, um, there's just so many different things out there that, to your point, that we do just outside of the office that really do um, lend itself to that, to that type of experience. I do think we often fall into the traps, especially in an interview where we forget about those things. We immediately kind of go to the resume and we're like, what's, you know, what is the actual practical work experience? But it, it goes way beyond that. Um, and I do think it's important that you have those types of stories to share as examples, you know, in an interview or when you're talking to your supervisor about a promotion. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I have gushed quite often about the way that I think of you as a leader and in the way that you go about leading your team at stratified. And so I want to run through some questions that are related to that and get a little bit more insight into how you go about leading these teams. And the first question I have, and I think this is again, the, the hardest of maybe these, these few questions that I'm going to ask you, but how do you keep your team engaged? And I'll throw in the fact that you work, we work for a remote company. And so um, they're, they're post, you know, pandemic or relative normal, whatever, whatever <laughs> we're calling this, this world that we live in. <laughs> so uh, yeah, how, how do you keep your team engaged? That's a great question. Um, and I, I would actually say that I've, the team at Stratify, we've really built and developed throughout COVID. So it's just been recently that I've started to meet people a lot, a lot of uh, the team and actually in person. So it's been definitely a, a lot of career growth and idea generation over the past, you know, what, 12 or 18 months we've been in this now. Um, 
But I think, you know, one of the best ways to keep your team engaged, and I think if we're talking about engagement from sort of the work side of things, the project, the, the metric side of things is um, bringing your team into the process, um, having them be part of the brainstorm, having them be part of the problem solving, the ideation, um, feeling uh, that they're a part of how we're kind of going about and solving these different challenges. If you are simply kind of crafting your plans in a silo or with just a few people and you're kind of tossing them over the fence for execution, um, there's not that same level of buy-in. Um, when you are part of the process from the beginning, and those are some of your ideas that are being acted upon, you feel way more ownership and way more accountability to see these things through and to uh to, to see them be very successful. So I think that, you know, giving, getting them to be part of that process from the start is really, really important. Um, I also think accountability is key. I think it's really easy to sit, uh, be a member of a team and kind of wonder from a, a day-to-day standpoint, like how am I really impacting the business? I think everyone on the team should really have ownership of metrics. They should understand how the activities and the tactics and the things that are doing are really leading up to drive business impact. I, you know, I may be the voice, uh, whether it's on a, you know, a leadership call on Monday or it's a board meeting every quarter that's kind of communicating like what's happening. But I am very proud to say that I feel like our entire team does feel that they have ownership and accountability in, in all the metrics uh, that we're delivering on a, on a annual quarterly basis. Yeah, that's very cool. And I definitely can see the ownership piece and how, because you know that's something I always think about from a TA perspective, right? Like, is okay. Are we bringing in someone who, in the role that we're asking him to be in, will they be engaged and fulfilled for like a, a long term commitment? Like, we certainly don't expect people to be with a company for forty years, like back in the nineteen twenties. But we we don't want people leaving after ninety days either, and so you know, I'm always thinking about that engagement piece. And I think the ownership is a really good point. How do you, um, you know, once you get to maybe like a certain threshold with the size of your team, like, how do you, how do you continue to get the input from everybody without it being too many cooks in the, in the kitchen? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I also think that you, when you, when you're looking at building your team too, you have to be wary of, you know, the structure, like it can't be a very flat team. It needs to be built out. So I have, uh, you know, members, members of my marketing leadership team that I meet with on a regular basis. And then they have their areas, whether it's in revenue marketing and operations, product and customer marketing, or it's corporate communications and brand, or it's an education and enablement. I'm meeting with them on a regular basis, but I am also empowering them. And my message to them is also make sure you're empowering your teams. You know, I don't want to be involved in every conversation. I want to trust that, you know, no one wants to be micromanaged. I don't want to be a micromanager. So there's got to be that level of trust that you build, you know, within the first, you know, uh, you know several months of a, of a new job or a new hire. And then I think you've got to trust them and uh, you've got to let them feel that they have that empowerment to be able to, you know, work on a project or take things, you know, over the finish line. Um, I, I think that that's just really, really important. So then the next question in relation to your team that I have is how do you support them on a day-to-day basis? You being one person, having multiple bodies to be accountable for, whether they're your rock stars and superstars, or they're someone mm-hmm. who's really struggling or somewhere in between that, how do you go about supporting them and making them feel like they are, you know, as much of a part of the team as you want them to feel? Yeah, I, that, that's another really great question. Um, I, there's a couple things there. Um, one is I always think it's really easy to give people, you know, critical feedback. Um, but I also really, really believe in the power of sharing the positive stuff and giving my team credit. Um, so if I get, you know, a pro- if I get a positive response on our leadership team meeting or uh, the board, I immediately share the names of my team members that were a part of that project. It's very important for me to elevate them 
in the eyes of the leadership or the board that these people were a part of making this happen. Um, they worked on this initiative. They worked very hard. And I think it's, you know, I'm, I'm the mouthpiece. I'm the one who is bringing it forward, but these are all the people that really worked hard on it. Um, I want to make sure that they're highlighted and that they're celebrated. Um, I think that also, um, it's very easy to, you get a text message or you get a Slack message. If someone's like, oh, your team get a, you know, did a great job over on this project. I'll ask them, I'll be like, hey, thank you for telling me, but would you mind posting that in my team Slack channel? Or would you send an email to the entire team and let them know your feedback? Um, it's just, you know, if they just tell me if I'm having a busy day, I don't want that, that positive comment to go off to die. Right. So I ask them, you know, to share that as well. Um, one of the other things I think is really important, um, and I think this has almost become more important in this remote environment, but I don't know if someone else has ever thought of this idea or I'm the only weird person that kind of looks at it this way, but um, I know that a lot of people out there have probably read or they've heard about this book called like The Five Love Languages. It, and it's more of like a partnership book with your significant other. Um, I loosely, I kind of think that everyone also has their professional love language. <laughs> there is a way at work that each of your individual team members feel valued. Um, and that comes uh, in the form of, of a lot of different things. But I think it's important that whether you're managing a team of 20 or you're managing a team of two, that you learn what those professional love languages are and how you need to approach each one on one. How do you need to coach them? Um, how do you need to you know, communicate critical feedback? How do you uh, need to you know, do various things with them? But I think just every individual um, you know, my head of revenue marketing likes to communicate very differently, you know, than my, my product marketing lead. And I, if I go into meetings with them, treating them the same way, it's not going to have that same impact. We're not going to be able to communicate as effectively. Um, the other thing that we've instituted is, you know, we have a team meeting every week. And um, this is something I've done at, at a number of companies, but we always end the meeting with team shout outs. So, it's not just me. I may start it off, but everybody on the team starts shouting out different members from, you know, revenue markings, thinking product, products, thinking education. It's just, it's just a nice positive note. And I think it's a really great way for the team to kind of um, communicate their value and support of other members of the team. Yeah. I think that's a really cool way to top off a meeting, yeah, especially if it was a as I'm sure most of your, your meetings are very impactful, very useful type meeting and then go off with some happy feelings. <laughs> <hope> so sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, sometimes I'm sure you have to deliver the hard news, but uh, yeah, still, still do it in a good way. So <laughs> now, now I'm starting to wonder if, if I'm the only one who thinks like this, but I, uh, so like in a nerdy baseball way, I think about team dynamics and putting teams together like I can I can see a field in front of me and I could see like okay the different positions and what do I want you know based on that scenario how would I fill in those positions so like in an ideal world for you however you want to um, look at your ideal situation you told us a little bit about balance being a big key to a team dynamic what is the ideal team for you? Like who, what type of superheroes do you want? What type of rock stars do you, do you want? Um, is it a big team? Is it a small team? You know, anything, anything coming to mind for all that? I, well, first, I don't think you're the only person that thinks about teams in that way. Um, it, it, it is, gosh, balance is so, it's just so important. And I think, you know, even hiring one person, I will say that I don't love to hire a ton of people immediately at the same time, but pace it out because I do think personalities and work styles, you, um, you know, you can get a good sense of that in interviews, but you add them to the team. How does that change things? Does that change how you would look at a certain role? Wow. I got a really strong leader over here, but maybe they're not as strong in a specific niche topic. And so I might need to edit that job description a little bit and, and hire that way. Um, sure. But it's really easy to um, go into you know, job interviews or build out your team wanting to hire people like you. But I look like when I hired the, the leaders on my team, I was like, I want you to be better in your area than I am. 
I want to look to you for answers to solving these problems. Um, and I, I think that that's also very, very important as well. Um, so again, balance, I know we've talked a lot about that, but I think balance beyond just individual contributors and, and superstar leaders is, you know, I think we all have to be very cognizant of, of diversity. You know, we want those different um, viewpoints in your team as well. And so I think that's something very important we all as leaders and people managers should be looking at. Yeah, I think one of the most impactful conversations I ever had with you in a work setting was working through a job description, talking about a role that we were hiring for. And you just, you you understood, you, you were like, okay, we, we need to bring some diversity to our sales team essentially. And and how how can we do that from the bottom up is, you know, hire, look for you know women to, to bring on to the team and women in tech you know just traditionally don't get opportunities especially at those high levels to do things in, in sales and so I thought it was just really brilliant and and even simple but also you know very cognizant of that diversity piece to say okay we bring in a woman at, at one of these you know lower level positions an associate or whatever you want to call it and then she has the opportunity in our system, in our organization, to work her way up to potentially an enterprise level or, you know, who knows, you know, where, where they're going to go. And I think having a cognizant effort to that is something that most hiring managers don't really take. They say they do, but but they don't really do it. Um, and then that falls you know, on recruiting and, and you know, kind of just uh, snowflake after snowflake and, and builds up. And so I just um, I, it's something I've always remembered. And I remember telling my wife about it. And I think it's a, a really good practical example of a, of a time where, you know, we had a conversation around it and it was really impactful. And, and that doesn't mean, you know, that we're. <laughs> we're going to discount, you know, somebody from a different gender or a different background or whatever it is um, if they fit what we're looking for. But it is to say like, okay, let's get out of the traditional mold of what we've been doing. And let's try to, let's try to see if there's other people who fit what we're trying to build here. Well, it's even, you know, there's simple things that you, you can do that. I, I think often sometimes we forget about of, hey, if you've got a new job posting or you're looking for a new role, let's make sure that the women in tech groups know that this position is open or black girls who code know that this position is open. Um, there's been tons of studies even on how you write job descriptions in a way that is, um, you know, women, uh, gosh, I have to find the study. I believe it was Harvard Business Review, Harvard Business Review, but it was, um, you know, uh, women tend to go through a job description and, you know, check every single box. And if they don't check all of them, they won't apply. But men tend to, you know, oh, I got three out of the 10 that they've listed. I'm going to throw my hat in the ring and see what happens. So knowing that that is uh, how job descriptions are approached, you know, what can we do from a, a leadership company standpoint, a recruiting standpoint um, to make sure that just everyone feels the opportunity to put their hat in the ring and to try out for, for any kind of role that they, they dream of. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's awesome and really, really powerful. So what, um, <laughs> my last question then in terms of the, the team dynamics and, and just how you lead, I'm asking you, I guess, maybe to, to dig a little bit deeper here with some challenges, but you know, how, yeah. how do you work around challenges? Because you, you're going to have them, right? Like it's, I mean, you could ignore them, I guess, but <laughs> you know, challenges are part of the role. So um, how, how do you go about tackling those? Yeah, I, I think uh, you just got to go after them. Uh, and I honestly, I think the remote world that we've been living in for the past 18 months has surfaced a whole new level of challenges. You know, before then, uh, there was the challenge of, um, wow, I, no one likes this, but as a boss or a manager or leader, there's those moments where you've got to deliver the uncomfortable criticism, uh, job performance improvement type things. And no one likes to be the bearer of bad news. But I think that one thing that you can do along the way, even before you um, have to be that bearer of bad news is care about your employees um, if they know that you have your best intentions at heart, 
it's going to make delivering that critique or, hey, I think you might have wanted to try this a little bit differently. They're going to com- take that news completely less personal because they understand that you are invested in their success and that you want to see them improve. And you're not trying to pick on them because, you know, they did something that maybe, you know, uh, could have been done a little bit differently, but that you really want to see them get better. Um, so those are, you know, <laughs> the old school challenges, I, I think. Um, remote has been uh, in some ways very incredible, uh, in other ways, exhaustive, you know, Zoom fatigue. Uh, and it's also been very trying. Um, I think it's been fantastic in the sense that a remote has given so many companies this opportunity to expand their hiring pool. Um, it's not just been about, wow, who's going to be able to, you know, drive, make that 30 minute drive into the office, but you've really been able to expand and I think open up opportunities to a lot more groups of people. Um, it's trying in that you have to be so much more acutely aware of what's going on with the, with your teams. Um, and that's what, you know, we have a, a, a policy on my team, uh, cameras on if you're, if it's important enough to have a meeting that your camera needs to be on. I need to be able to visually, I'm not sitting with you, so I need to visually try to understand how is this information going across? Are you understanding me? Do you not like this idea? Maybe you're having a really bad day and it's an opportunity for me to check in on you and see if there's a way that I can help. Um, and that's, that's harder to do over a camera than it is you know, when you're in person day to day. So you have got to be really honed in on, you know, how, how is the mood of the team? Are, are individual people feeling good? Are they feeling valued? Are they having a rough time? You know, COVID um, introduced this situation where it wasn't just working from home. It was working from home with your child that might not be feeling good with dogs that are in the background with newborn babies or parents that you're taking care of. Um, and now all of a sudden you are, um, dealing with all that and trying to work. Um, so it's really just given us all these new challenges, but I think as leaders that we've had to really be more perceptive, be more understanding and kind and empathetic and, and try to lead through that way. Um, I think that's, that's one of the biggest things, but I, I've just tried to tackle them. I've bring in my leaders quite a bit, try to get their opinions on how we can do things in a better way, take feedback from the team. Um, I also try to do um, meetings. I do skip meetings. Some people people call them skip meetings, where you kind of meet with the the um, your leadership's teams, so that they still feel that they have a connection um, in a one on one environment, um, you know, with the leader of their department. So, those are often some ways too to kind of understand a little bit more, especially now in this remote world, what's going on in their minds. So. <laughs> A lot goes on in your day to day as as a leader. How do you take care of yourself knowing that in order for you to be the best leader that you can be, you need to be healthy mentally, physically, emotionally. So how do, how do you go about just on a day to day basis, some of the general things that you're doing to make sure that you're ready to handle the challenges, handle the excitement, you know, do, do everything that's involved in your role. I don't think I figured out the perfect way to do that. Um, I, I, there's definitely a plan. And I think some days that plan stays on schedule and some days it doesn't. Um, I am, uh, exercise I think is so hugely important. Um, I have a Peloton bike. I've been a remote employee uh, at my last company and it's stratified for over five years now. So kind of combating that remote environment uh, has, has been a priority of mine for a while. So I try to, I love it when it works out in the morning, if I'm able to get a Peloton, you know, bike ride in or some kind of workout in, or if not, I will try to block 30 minutes during the day at some point. I think it was legally blonde. Uh, Reese Witherspoon said she was uh, she was like endorphins make people happy and happy people don't kill people. And <laughs> I've always just kind of stuck with that. I'm like, all right, this is you know I'm gonna get my endorphins in today. I'm gonna be a better human being. I'm gonna be a better listener. I'm gonna be a better advocate. Um, so I definitely think that that's super important. And I think it, I, you know, and I know that this is really hard for people, um, kind of depending on your living situation, but. I do think you have to make a cognizant effort to whether it's shutting your office doors at night or 
unplugging your laptop and sticking it under some pillows so you don't hear any dings, but you've got to start to really try to create a separation from, you know, your work life and your home life. Um, COVID especially has just, those lines are so blurred right now. And I think, especially when we got started, you know, people were just not stopping working. It was going into the weekends and you were working seven days a week before you even realized it. So you've got to find that cutoff point and whether it's, you know, like I said, shutting the doors or closing the laptop or shutting slack off for the night and just taking that, that break for yourself and going and reading a book or Netflix binging, uh, with your family. Such an important reminder and something that I do my, the door in my office is, well, it's usually open, but it's far enough away. It's like the last room down the hallway. So I never ventured down here, you know, after a certain amount of time uh, every single day, just to, to get away. Cause I was doing the, the remote thing like you too. I'm on this. I think this is year five for me uh, as well. So yeah, totally, totally get it. Great reminder though. And Meredith, yeah, I know we're, we used to, oh, sorry. No, it's just, we used to be able to drive home. <laughs> and, you know, kind of, and there was that differentiation, that delineation. Yeah. Now it's two steps that way. Yeah. And even that drive home could have been like your decompressed time, like, you know, your, your me time, you know, that that's so important. Like I tell My people like selfish, <laughs> yeah, like be selfish. Like you have to take care of yourself. Like you, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's okay hard to be selfish. It yeah. is. And I, I think that's important too. It's okay for, like you said, taking that me time, you've got to prioritize it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I know we're getting close on time. So I want to see before I let you go, is there anything that we haven't talked about or any wisdom that you want to leave us with before we let you go today? <laughs> I don't know if it's wisdom. <laughs> um, I, I think it's more of a learning that I've, I think I've just had over the years and if I can you know, save anybody else time of trying to figure this out down the road, but it leadership building coaching teams, it is something that it, it can't be an afterthought. You know, sometimes there's, Oh, I want to have a great team. And it's just kind of this thing that's hanging out there. It's, it's gotta be a priority. It's gotta be something that you're always thinking about. It's gotta be something that, you know, um, I never meant, I really, I won't say never because that's probably not true, but I almost never miss my one-on-one -on -one meetings with my team members. You know, that is their time. It's very important to them. And that's just one way that I try to prioritize. And I think that if anybody out there who is really looking to, you know, be that leader someday or improve their current skill set, I think if you can think about ways that you can make it a priority for yourself, that um, it'll just start to become natural and something that you're, you're always thinking about and you're wanting to do better for your team on. Awesome way to end what I knew was going to be an awesome conversation, but I'm so glad that we were able to find some time in your busy schedule. And thank you, Meredith, for taking the time to do this and to share everything. Uh, it's really been a pleasure having you on. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. It was, uh, it was my pleasure.